News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair this week, David Crimmins. He's the CEO of MediHive. David, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you're a Lucan man. Uh, your uh, dad had, I think, a printing business in Fibsborough where you worked as a young fella. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, my dad uh, worked for his dad in a printing business just on Mary Street and then went out on his own with, um, in the late 70s, early 80s. So at a really tough time with recessions and all that kind of stuff. But he built up a really strong business. So during the summers, I used to go in, I'd, I'd get maybe a week or two's work, a few quid, uh, a McDonald's at the end of the week. And uh, I basically stuffed envelopes was yeah. was my job. And all that's where, where a lot of the good learnings are done about business. And did, did you maybe see from those days that maybe that a career in business was what you would aspire for? Yeah, um, my dad was very entrepreneurial um, and I think I've kind of, you know, kept that sort of going on, not necessarily in the printing business, obviously, but yeah, I, I really got the bug um, and I probably pretty much went in every summer uh, right up until probably college when I started, you know, heading off in the okay. summers. Uh, so a fairly, I suppose, traditional education and then best in Trinity, so business studies, uh, then you did a master's in, in Smurfit. Uh, after that, uh, your first job was a was it a trader, a summer job? So I did that one summer in Chicago. Tell me so, about that. Yeah. So do you, do you remember the movie Trading Places with I Eddie do. Murphy? So I was in the pit and it was like chaos and I had to learn all this sign language, etc. And we were trading this thing called 30 Day Fed Funds. So I, I did that and, and I really loved it. And I, I, I could see that was going to be my career. But I had applied for a kind of prestigious enough uh, postgraduate course in Smurfit and I got that. So I came home to do that with the view that if it didn't work out, I'd be back to Chicago. But as in life, you know, uh, events take over and I never made it back to the trading pit. And those pits are long since gone now. It's all computerized. Yeah, but there was the the intensity of that was, was, was kind of surreal, was it? It was absolutely surreal. So yeah. because we were trading these Fed funds, basically when the Fed would meet and then they decide to up or decrease rates, there would be a split second where there was pure silence where everybody had to compute what was the impact of that. And then it would be just nuts. Wow. And uh, it was great fun. Uh, so then on to Citibank, I think you were a fund accountant there. Uh, what did that involve? Uh, that was like Groundhog Day every day. So basically I'd come in and um, over uh, night in Asia, there would be uh, trades made in, in the various funds. So I had to value those fund trades and then revalue the fund. And then I'd come in the next day and it'd be trades again. So uh, it was a good, great company, but it wasn't for me. So I didn't, I lasted about six months and then right. I was looking for something a bit more. You you were I think you were pretty much in financial services or related uh, disciplines for a number of years. Hibernian Insurance, where you were the marketing manager. Tesco Bank, another interesting place to work. Tell us about some of those. The Tesco Bank was brilliant because it was a, a marriage of the front office was effectively Tesco, so the culture was really Tesco. But the back office was the Royal Bank of Scotland, so all the operations and the processes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, you really learned uh, the sort of the, the core elements of banking, but really with a consumer uh, hat on. Everything we did, and, and Sir Terry Lee, he was the uh, CEO of Tesco at the time. Everything you did in there was all about how it can make it better for the customer. So you really learned that, you know, every euro you spent on marketing needed to have a return, but it needed to have a return for the customer. And it was a really good grounding on that side of the business. So I love that uh, company. Yeah. Uh, then on to supply mortgages. Uh, uh, was it Protectus Health? What did you do there? 
So that was the startup. Uh, my father-in-law and uh, one of his friends down in Clonmel had this idea to set up a, a stem cell bank for umbilical cord stem cells. And this was sort of in the uh, 2010 sort of time around that or just before that. And uh, we ended up pivoting. We didn't decide to set it up for humans. We set it up for horses. And so we used to collect umbilical cord stem cells from uh, newborn turbred foals. And we'd uh, separate out of the umbilical cord stem cells. And then if that horse got injured later on in its life, in its career, instead of repairing the injury, it could regenerate new tendon and all this kind of stuff. So it was a great uh, business um, and, uh, and a great idea. We were probably A, a little bit ahead of our time. And then B, there was this small recession that came along, yeah. uh, which basically meant that the turbred industry for a couple of years was really, really uh, badly affected because... Even if you were a multimillionaire, you weren't going to be spending millions on a new horse at that time. And uh, they were our customers. So, you know, again, it all hasn't been a bed of roses. So what did you learn from that experience? So in that job, I was the managing director right down to the, the, the you know, the cleaner in the office, etc. So one of the things I learned in that business was it was a quite a technical business, stem cells. But I would be in a, in a stud farm and I'd be talking to a stable boy who maybe didn't have, you know, sort of university education, knew everything about horses. So I had to be able to explain to him what it did right up to the chief vet um, and being able to tell the same story, uh, but to different audiences and understanding what how they were going to sort of interpret yeah. that was really, really important. Um, and then also uh, we, we had businesses all over um, the world. So we, we had business in Japan, in America, in the UK, and understanding the, you know, the cultural differences when working uh, outside of Ireland and, and taking that kind of, um, you know, four corners of the, of the country view and taking it outside of the Ireland was really important for uh, the development. So that was an interesting journey. And then I suppose you dusted yourself down uh, back into uh, Glow Health as commercial director. So... Maybe back to some of the stuff that you'd been doing in, in your former years. Yeah, so I had taken a bit of a left turn with Protectus Health. So I yeah. came back mainstream in Glow Health. So Glow Health uh, was a health insurance company and it was the newest uh, uh, player in the market. And it was what was really great about Glow Health was we were really innovative. So health insurance really hadn't changed in this 50, 60 years since the VHI had been first set up. But we started bringing in... Um, Things like allowing people to personalise their health insurance. Up until then, it didn't matter who you were, you got the exact same policy. And even simple things like if you wanted to claim, you could, you know, it seems obvious now, but you could take a picture of your receipt. Yeah. You didn't have to fill in a form. You didn't have to wait until the end of the year. All these kind of things. So um, in, as commercial director, I was in charge of sales and marketing. Um, and that was good as well, because in previous companies, sales and marketing are very often on, you know, two sides of, uh, yeah. of the aisle. And one will always blame the other when the things aren't going well. So it was good to have that cohesiveness uh, across the team. And we, we did phenomenally. I mean, we had in the corporate side, um, we had about six of the top 10 uh, companies uh, move to us, <coughs> which, was, um, which was phenomenal. Was that business ultimately sold? Yeah, yeah. so it was half owned by Irish Life. Mm. And so what happened was Irish Life bought out the original founders of Glow Health and at the same time Aviva sold Aviva Health. So Aviva Health and Irish and uh, Glow Health were basically merged together and they're now Irish Life Health. Okay, wow. Interesting stuff. So then tell us about uh, MediHive. Uh, I know it, it originally started as as Web Doctor. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about the journey because it's it's a very, very interesting space and a very interesting business. Yeah, and a really interesting genesis to the story. So the it goes back about 10 years to uh, 2012, 2013. And a very busy GP in Dublin, um, a guy called Dr. Sil Mooney, who actually was the uh, radio doctor for your sister station. He was the 98 FM doctor. Yeah. He had a super busy practice and he was totally paper based. And he had two rooms that were floor to ceiling, which was patient records. And he didn't have a space for a third room, but he was growing his practice. So he needed to computerize and he had family friends and he reached out to them, Howard and Ushin Kim, and said, lads, can you help me computerize the practice? So they were pretty shocked with what they saw were the options out to her. So they started saying, look, this is how modern sort of cloud-based uh, computing, etc., works. So they did a few kind of uh, uh, proof of concepts for him. He absolutely loved it. And from there, WebDoctor was born. And... Um, they tried to, I suppose, sell that service, uh, this software platform into other doctors. But this is pre-COVID. So the doctors weren't exactly uh, yeah. uh, jumping uh, up and down to take this practice. So what they did, which was really smart, was they said, well, we'll set up our own clinical service to do it, to prove to the other doctors it works. And that clinical service, which is Ireland's now largest uh, online doctor service called webdoctor.ie, that just took off. And then obviously with things like COVID, etc., uh, uh, you know, it went even further. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that they had to do that while the original concept was to sell the software. If that wasn't working, they had to basically walk the talk and do it themselves. Yeah. And you find that quite very often in business, you know, where, you, you know, you're, you're going on one path and then an opportunity or, or a threat or whatever comes along and you have to uh, address that. So... Fundamentally, at the core of our business, it, it's still a software business. And that's now why we're, we're called Medihive, because outside of Ireland, where we really focus on the B2B market, uh, we're selling the software. Right. But in the Irish business, um, the consumer side, it's WebDoctor using the software that Medihive okay. built. And um, interesting as well that uh, ResMed, uh, I think a company that's valued at $37 billion, uh, just invested five million in, in, in your business. That's yep. significant. It is significant and we're we're super proud about that because that's a real reflection on and there's about hundred and thirty plus people working in the company, the hard work that all of them do. So ResMed um, mm. To forgive the pun, they're a sleeping giant in the sense that they focus on sleep uh, disorders such as sleep apnea, etc., respiratory illnesses. And they're a massive company um, with uh, operations pretty much in every country around the world. So we've been working with them for just under two years on building a platform for their business uh, that works, runs off the Medihive platform. And it's a testament to the work and the engineers, etc., that um, they've decided to uh, invest. So the money that they're putting in, along with actually some of our existing shareholders, which is also really great to see because it, it you know it validates the, the path that we're on. Um, we'll be using that money to further our R&D uh, and to really um, drive actually more value for our partners and also to really build out our international capacity and our sales capacity. Right. A couple of quick things. Um, is it your vision that the doctor's surgery would be a thing of the past? Is that the ultimate is it is it ultimately the goal to keep people out of doctor's surgeries and is it much more efficient to get your medical advice online? 
So I don't think it's uh, going to be a, the future where doctor surgeries will be a thing of the past. I think it will be a hybrid. So I think there's a lot of work you can do that doesn't need to be done in the within the four walls of a surgery, but there will always be work that needs to be done in those four walls. So getting that balance <laughs> right, I think, is going to be critical because then you can increase the throughput in those four walls yeah. because some of it's done outside of that. Okay. And finally, something we always like to ask the guests, an interesting fact about the, the candidate at the pod or the place of dance, as it was once known. Oh, yes. You had an inter- interesting night there with Bono, Michael Hutchins and Dolores O'Riordan. Yeah. That's got to be a night of nights. Oh, it was a night of nights. <laughs> so myself and my friend, we, we were regular attendees at the pod, but we blagged in one night to the VIP lounge. We were sitting down uh, and Bono sits beside me and then Michael Hutchins, sits, uh, Hutchins sits beside him. And typical Irish, you know, we were probably overly rude because we didn't want him to think, hey, who do you think you are? But actually, he asked my friend for a, a, a light, which back in the day when you could smoke. So on the back of that, we started having a conversation and he was actually really, really nice um, because what was interesting to me was he had a competing club at the same time called that, The Kitchen. That's right. And I couldn't understand why he was in the pod when he should have been in The Kitchen. Uh, but anyway, it was a brilliant night. And, the heady uh, days of the Irish nightlife. Huh? Yeah, yeah uh, mid-90s. nightlife, yeah. mid-90s. Well, listen, David Cremens, CEO of Medihive. Uh, great, great to have a chat with you. Really, really interesting career journey and the best of luck with everything that you're doing. Thank you very much, Bobby. Pleasure. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling.